0: cast.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSC. There are moments where I wish I had that army behind me to get things done, but it's there's nothing like the satisfaction of wearing all those hats and rolling your sleeves and just knowing your business intimately and then really you know, helping scale. And, and I also think it's important to be smart about knowing where you should bring in help. So I definitely have a wonderful, we're a very small team of four people, but I've got this fabulous ecosystem of people that are super smart and experts in their various areas that support me. And so as we scale, that's a wonderful way to be nimble and kind of rent help as we go with the goal of ultimately bringing those chops in house.
0: Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin.
2: Hey, everyone. Today's guest is Sarah Bird. Sarah is currently the CEO of Grace's Goodness Organics. It's a wellness company selling organic vegetable sipping broths that nourish the body and feed the soul. During her career, Sarah has had the opportunity to help both large and small brands achieve strong sales and improve visibility. Prior to Grace's Goodness, Sarah was the CEO of Bhakti, the number one selling chai in the natural product channel. A CEO for the second time now, she's passionate about building mission-driven businesses and helping them scale. Sarah comes from a marketing background, and according to her, it was precisely her marketing experience that trained her to excel at both CEO roles. Sarah believes that brands can be a force for change. At Grace's Goodness, her team focuses on exactly that, changing the way people eat and live. In this episode, we talk about the power that a brand can have on their customers and how to use it for good, why every company should aim to be mission-driven, how to monitor your cash flow for control, and why it's important to hire people that are excited about what you do. Sarah is an amazing guest and very transparent and open in this discussion. Let's get started. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today?
1: Great, Tyler. Thank you for having me. It's Friday and I'm headed up the weekend and all is good. So thank you.
2: I feel you on Friday. It's been a long week. I would love to start out with, I'd love to just talk about what you're doing now and what makes you tick.
1: I am uh, currently CEO of a company called Grace's Good Food and our brand is Grace's Goodness Organics which are a line of plant-based sipping broth with wellness benefits. So I've been doing that for about two years. I joined the founder, Grace, to help her scale the business. And we're a small, scrappy company. So I am in my role wearing a lot of hats and very focused on helping this little engine that could get up the hill.
2: I have so many questions. I love the, the whole plant-based space. I myself am plant-based. And so I, I just have a ton of questions. But before I go there, I do want to talk about just your progression as a CEO, you know, doing a little bit of research on you. I just love how you've kind of gone up the corporate ladder. And and where I want to take this is was it always your vision to be a CEO? Did you kind of just fall into it? Just curious how that played out.
1: I would say it was not always my vision, but certainly as my career progressed, it became my goal to be a CEO of a company in the natural and organic industry. So I definitely had that North Star and, and drove towards it as as I grew up, basically.
2: Yeah. So, what made you want to go like into mission-driven space? I'm looking, doing some research on you. You know, you started out with you know, some companies that are generally like snacks that are what I would call a non-healthy space, without naming names. And now you're in a space where it's very healthy. What triggered that? Was that kind of always your vision? Did you fall into it and then had a passion for it? I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. So I had about ten years in big CPG um, coming out of business school, and I. Loved that experience because of the training that I had. It was just, it was like getting another degree, really, um, being in those in those companies and learning how you manage a brand and and whatnot. But I, at about the ten year mark, had an opportunity to join Power Bar in the very early days of the energy bar category. So, joined the founders to help scale that business and loved getting into a small company. And that was the beginning of starting to work on really mission driven. Brands Powerbar was all about supporting elite athletes, and and so after Powerbar, I joined Annie's, the mac and cheese business, and that's where the spark was really kind of lit that brands can be a force for good and and can really change how people eat. So it just that I realized how much that fueled me and how important it was for me to have that kind of impact to, to work on brands that, that are focused on a greater good. So as I've thought about my Moves since then, that's absolutely the first filter. Is it a brand that really is focused on a greater good and, and um, something that resonates with me? Really important.
2: Starting with very large companies, and now you're with a, a smaller company that you're hoping to scale up. What's that like? Because like, at a larger company, you have all this infrastructure, you probably have a department for every area that you need support, and now you're probably at a company where you don't really have as much support. You're probably, it's up to you and your Highly productive small staff. What's that like? Is this like, hey, this is a great mover? Is it's like, wow, I'm. It's it's a lot different. It's a challenge.
1: <laughs> um, there are moments where I wish I had that army behind me to get things done, but it's there's nothing like the satisfaction of wearing all those hats and rolling up your sleeves and just knowing your business intimately, and then really, you know, helping scale. And, and I also think it's important to be smart about knowing where you should bring in help. So I definitely have a wonderful, we're we're a very small team of four people, but I've got this fabulous ecosystem of people that are super smart and experts in their various areas that support me. And so as we scale, that's a wonderful way to be nimble and kind of rent help as we go with the goal of ultimately bringing those chops in-house.
2: Sure. Sure. Now you've used the word scale a couple of times. What does that mean for you in terms of your own own organization for the benefit of the audience? I'd love to, we could feed off you like, what does it look like in terms of scaling and that process to you?
1: So to me, scaling is, it's a big part of sales, you know, like how big is this business? So, and so we've got certainly growth targets and that's how do you do that with the channels that you focus on, the portfolio that you have. You know, how do we build out a portfolio that is going to bring in, you know, address our consumers' needs, states, or bring in more consumers to the brand? So, thinking about it holistically, what are the levers that we can use to really drive this the growth of this brand, on the business?
2: Okay, and part of that scaling, I'm sure, is to continue to develop a leadership team or as you start to scale up, what does that look like for you? Like, what do you look for in designing a leadership team? What do you kind of see your next steps in forming that around you?
1: Yeah. And I think the kind of people I surround myself with d- depends on where the business is. So right now I would consider myself a Swiss army. knife. I try kind of <laughs> do a lot of things. And so it's nice to have other people that are similarly nimble but as we grow, we're going to want more experts. So right now, we're talking about getting someone who's going to really help lead the, the charge on the sales team. So um, getting someone. But whomever I work with, I'd rather have somebody who's got a fire in the belly and just a real passion for what they do and strong skills versus someone who's maybe even more seasoned but isn't going to have that fire in the belly. So to me, that, that passion for what they do and willingness to have long arms and just do whatever's needed is really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, so you're in a small company right now, you're Swiss Army knife by your own admission, which should be expected in a small organization. Do you find there's a challenge as the company starts to develop some infrastructure that it's different skills are required and that always creates a little bit of an awkwardness because maybe when you're, you know, your team's more Swiss army knife and then, because I've personally experienced this in companies, then suddenly people are used to being Swiss army knives and now you're like saying, hey, we're a little bit bigger now. and Now we just need you to kind of do a little less, not necessarily less work, but less diversity across your your thing. How do you manage that? Have you ever dealt with that?
1: I haven't. I think if the person is, is a strong performer, the goal is Find a way to keep them in the organization. So to your point, instead of being broad, they need to go deep and figuring out what's the person's passion and where do they excel and then see if there's a way to kind of channel them to be an expert in in a given area instead of that jack-of-all-trades. So to me, it's it's really important.
2: Yeah, that's great. And and also kind of leads me into where the next thing I was going to go, it feels like that's also a big part of your culture too, where you're kind of driving, you keep bringing up passion and that that's probably the fabric of your culture. Is that a very important part? Like how do you drive your culture so you get what you want and everybody's happy, you get retention, you get people that are enjoying what they're doing. Is it really driven around passion mostly, would you say?
1: Uh, well, I think it's it starts with clarity of of vision. Like what are we trying to get done? And making sure that everybody... Knows what where we're headed. What's our north star? What's the goal? And then certainly everybody doesn't have to have deep fire in the belly for (laughs) what we're doing, but you know they've got to have some. In a smaller company, I think there's an expectation that people got to put in. There's a lot of elbow grease that goes in, and so um, you got to have that alignment with what the business is all about. And so I do think it really helps to have people that are excited about where where the business is going, what we're doing, and build a team that shares that.
2: Do you do something when you, when you say vision, is there something within your own teams that you, do you bring that up routinely or is that, you know, how does that get introduced to the team and how does it, they kind of get reminded of the vision of the company? How do you introduce that? Because I have a lot of clients where sometimes they've never really, really even thought about vision. And then you start talking about vision and they're like, oh, wow. And you start talking about how do you introduce, how do you do that?
1: Yeah, interestingly, both at Bakhti, which is a chai company, which is where I was before I joined Grace's um, goodness, with both companies, um, one of the earlier projects I tackled was making sure we had a really clear vision. And I think the founders in both organizations had a vision, but it wasn't articulated in a concise way that, that the full team could understand that. So I think it is important for Founders to just try and distill what they're trying to get done. Like, what's what's the greater good, or what's the purpose of what you're trying to distill that into something that that the organization can understand. You can share with customers and consumers and and whatnot. So that's is an important process to do relatively early on in building a company.
2: It sounds like it. You know, you mentioned Bhakti, and I was just curious as as I was learning about you. You were there a few years. Looked like you guys might have got some funding. After a few years, you were in a CEO role. So you were, you know, in a very prominent position. Any story behind that in terms of why you chose to go to your next uh situation that you'd be open to sharing?
1: Yeah. So I joined Bhakti and to take over for the founder. She was at a point where she was ready to hand the keys over to somebody else. So <laughs> it was and I it was my first CEO role. And so I went in thinking I'd take my marketing experience experience and wrap my arms around the brand and we live happily ever after. And there was a lot of, it became somewhat of a turnaround for a variety of reasons, but incredible learning for me. And I think we did some great work on the business. We transitioned from a product that was in glass bottles and refrigerated and short shelf life. So business, it was hard to scale outside our backyard really. And then the goal was to grow that business. So we transitioned to an aseptic package, which had a lo- much longer shelf life and um, allowed us to really build the business. And then we also had been self-manufacturing and we moved to a Copac model. So there were a lot of foundation things that were done over the three years that I was there. And we raised a fair amount of money. And during that, we did a convertible note and a series B. And then we were at a point where we really needed, a lot of money had been raised before I got there to build this manufacturing facility and whatnot. And there was more investment needed to really scale the business. And the current investors, there was just not alignment on the go forward plan. And so it, and I had an opportunity to join Grace, another founder and help her scale the business. And I decided that that was the right move for me at that point in time. And I feel great about the work that we did to, to really position Tea for growth. And so I felt like I could leave that baby, move on to another one to help, help another founder grow.
2: That's awesome. You know, I've done a little angel investing myself and it's always interesting when your investors aren't necessarily in an in in alignment with maybe the CEO's vision or the founder's vision. Those can kind kind of be some interesting discussions sometimes if the directions are different and they're the ones writing the check. Yeah. So unfortunately, <laughs> the ones writing the check usually have the biggest voice. Right. Is it challenging? I've seen this a little bit over my career you're in early stage companies, you're coming in as a CEO, you're not the founder necessarily. Is it challenging to manage the expectations of the founder and so essentially, and maybe this is a tough question to ask you so we can edit this out, audience <coughs> you won't hear this if we do. Is it challenging sometimes to manage the expectations of the founder and that relationship?
1: I have been fortunate to be um, in the two CEO spots I've had where I'm coming in to to take over or partner with the founder. Um, The founders have been very welcoming of the partnership. So I feel like I've been received with open arms and and I have great respect for the brand that they've built. And so we've had wonderful working relationships. There certainly are moments of tension, but it's, I think, as long as I'm clear with them on what it is we're trying to do, and that I have the board support with what we're trying to do, then while they may not love every step of the way, you know we get there. And I'm very collaborative in terms of how I, I work. And so I hope they always feel that they've been heard. And um, at the end of the day, someone's going to make the call. If it's not quite aligned, decisions get made, we move forward and all's good.
2: Yeah. I love the transparency of your answer. I uh, mm-hmm. once worked for a company, this was many years ago, And the founder had taken it as far as they could take it. And uh, they were trying to find a CEO. So they kept bringing in CEOs. And literally every six months, there's a new CEO. And you used to hear, you know, I was pretty low on the totem pole back then. So I didn't really know the inner workings, but you could hear through the walls and there'd be screaming and shouting matches. And then about a month later, there'd be a CEO. And I used to always chuckle. So that was kind of my, uh, you know, mid 20s MBA. MBA experience, I guess I'll call it uh, in its own way. So cool. I love that answer. You know, I've heard you say cash is king, and I think that's never more true than with a small organization. What do you do to be cash efficient as an organization? Like, what anything come to mind that you're doing consciously to be in that cash is king position?
1: The first thing is I do have a cash flow model that I live by. And so every Sunday night or Monday morning, I'm updating it with what the expenses have been for the prior week, just because I'm I'm very mindful of we're running lean and, and I'm wanting to make literally every penny count. Then I think that's also in part because we are a small business. You know, if we had deeper coffers and we had more scale, I wouldn't be that, that focused on it. But I just I have come to appreciate and I think I, I certainly learned this from my Bhakti experience. It's just you've got to be really mindful of that. And especially in a small company where you're likely burning cash. So you wanna you wanna be careful about where you're spending and be be strategic smart about all that. So to me, it's it's really focusing on managing it, making that a priority in terms of, of the things that I'm the balls that I'm juggling. That's one that I'm I'm very I'm laser focused on.
0: If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the Meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business.
1: So me, it's, it's really focusing on managing and making that a priority in terms of, of the things that I'm, the balls that I'm juggling. That's one that I'm, I'm very I'm laser focused on.
2: Yeah. When you say you have your cash flow uh, Excel schedule or whatever it is, your report, you probably have moved to the near the top of my guest list. Uh, when you start talking numbers like that, as a guy that's a numbers guy, I love hearing that. So <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Well that's right. And I I think yeah, we had a chat when my first week at Bhakti, there was a there was a cash issue and, and we couldn't make payroll. And here I'd come, you know, I had no idea I was gonna be walking into that. And it was just because they'd done a systems conversion and there wasn't visibility and anyway, it all worked out. But that was my first like trial by fire of of the importance of monitoring your cash. So
2: Yeah, I can't even imagine you walking into a new opportunity and even for a second having to think about not making payroll. I have to feel one of your thoughts were like, What am I getting into? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
1: What incredible learning. So and that's you know, it was it was phenomenal in that regard. So
2: that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So, hey, anything in terms of keeping you up at night that you think about? Are there some blind spots sitting out there in your marketplace? Some market concerns? I'm just curious. Is there anything that sits there for you? Oh, my God. There are so many things that keep me up at night in a small company. Part of it is cash.
1: Yeah. Another is just the market dynamic right now. And what's happening, we've done this big rebrand. Uh, when I joined the company, the product line was called Beyond Broth. And uh we had this phenomenal ride in 2020 due to COVID and we had just moved to be online as so I really wrote all that, but we also got some good feedback that we needed to do some optimization of the product. So we did that and launched a new brand or rebranded and, and refreshed the product in January of this year. So now my one of the things that keeps me up at night is just trying to get quick traction on that. And it takes time to to change a brand over and then to rebuild it, new EPCs and whatnot. So it's just is this thing going to really hunt to the degree that I expect and uh, have promised that it will. And so that's what i going to read. You're removing all the right levers.
2: I love what you the look you guys have now when I went to your website. It's beautiful. It's eye-catching. So you did a nice job. It's got a really beautiful aesthetic look. Going in that direction, let's talk about sipping broths. Why are they important? Why is there a marketplace for this? Why do we need that?
1: So the product is called a sipping broth, and, and the way consumers tend to use it is a, as an alternative to coffee or tea, kind of a late morning or an afternoon pick-me-up where you might be having coffee or tea, or you might be wanting to reach for a less healthy snack. And the functional benefits of this product, is it's plant-powered, and it's just vegetables, basically MCT powder, nutritional yeast, and then wellness herbs. And so we have offer benefits like in your immunity, gut health, and then energy. And so it's a very simple, clean product that has this functional benefit and it helps you be well. And our company mission, Grace, the founder is a wellness professional. And our mission is to help people you know, everywhere be nourished every day. And all you need is access to hot water. So that's what we're all about is trying to help people stay nourished with something that's clean and simple and so good for you. And that, that's the role we're Went to play in consumers' lives. So that's what the sipping broth is. And it's positioned as a sipping broth just because you would sip it the way you would have, you know, sip a cup of coffee or tea, um, but, but with all this baggage nourishment.
2: Yeah. I like the space. Do you envision, you know, assuming it's not proprietary, do you see expanding your product line into more plant-based type products? Is there some evolution there that you can share?
1: I can't share the the specifics, <laughs> but we absolutely will evolve the brand. And that was part of the, the thinking behind changing the name from Beyond Broth to Grace's Goodness Organics, because we could be a, then a platform for so much more than broth. So yes, broth is where we're hanging our hat today. And there are other need states that we're going to be adding to the offering. And then there will be other categories that we'll get into in time. All being plant power is very much part of the DNA of this business. So we'll always be doing things that are... Are
2: vegan. I really could see, uh, and I'm sure you probably already even have this, a subscription based model around the broth service, because yeah. like for me, I'm plant-based. I mean, that would be something that'd be right up my alley. It'd be nice just not to think about, show up. It's also a good way, the way I see it is I fast. And then sometimes when I'm coming out of my fasting, it's nice to come into something like a broth. It has a very, you know, it agrees with your body pretty well coming right. out of a fast. So that's cool. It's a really neat, neat product. In terms of your your ideal client, you use the terminology plant based, and then I just heard you say vegan. Who are you really trying to meet? Are you trying to meet more the vegan market? Is do you view it as more a broad market of just people that want to be healthy or do something you know consume something that is healthy? Who are you trying to communicate with?
1: Yeah, well, ultimately it, it is everyone who wants to be proactively managing their wellness. But I also know that you know coming out of shoot, we've got a we've got to focus on a core group and build from that over time. So initially we're focused on certainly vegans and then what's the stat i think it's like four out of ten you know americans are now consider themselves flexitarians so it's a huge Mm -hmm. percent of the population that are eating more of a plant-based diet so it's really anybody who's wanting to proactively manage their wellness who's focused on self-care and so that is a pretty significant swath of the population and i think especially in this covid environment we're all looking for ways to proactively you know stay well and so this could, can be part of everybody's you know daily regime but uh, early on we're focused on you know, kind of the tighter vegan and then more plant-based
2: well um, focused consumers sure to your point I was recently sitting at a dinner table with about 20 25 people and we got into the discussion about plant-based mm-hmm. and I think more than half the table, Probably even seventy five percent said they have a meatless day or they have some type of you know something where they acknowledge a plant based diet on a, on a certain period of time. I thought it was really fascinating because ten years ago, I don't think you would have found one out of ten or one out of twenty five at the table that would have said that.
1: Right.
2: So it's a growing market for sure. It's,
1: yeah, it's it's growing, and I think there's so many really good products now that are accessible to consumers. So it's easier to do. You don't feel like you're giving up. Something when you're eating a plant-based diet, it's just there's a lot that's readily accessible. It's like organic food. I think people early on used to think organic was going to be cardboardy and not good and whatnot, but it's now people realize with that comes great quality and clean taste and and
2: whatnot. So agreed. So can I put you on the spot? I have a question for you. To, as we come to closing here, I'm going to take your shaking head means yes. I'd love for you to f- leave us with a tip, whether that be a, a life tip, a business tip that myself and the audience can apply. Do you got anything off top of your mind that you can share?
1: Yeah, I think life tip is just be passionate, you know, find what you're passionate about and just lean into that because you're gonna exceed or excel if you are doing what you love to do. And I've had that incredible fortune of working on amazing brands and just loving what I do. And so I think that's the first kind of very, very Broad bit of advice. But the other thing that I have found, and I'm going to steal this term from Ellie Began, who's a board member and, and advisor and just someone I think the world of, and he talks about the importance of growth hacking. And so I think, especially in a small company where you've got lean budgets, make sure you're testing and learning all the time. You know, a lot of trial balloons, learn quickly, fail quickly, and then keep pivoting until you find out what really works. And so I think having a growth hack mindset is. Super important
2: for, for smaller brands. It's the fail fast. I actually was meeting with someone yesterday, and we were talking about fail fast. The best thing you can do is fail fast and move on to the next thing yeah. in terms of your growth and your learning. So that's so we got a double bonus there. We got two passion and and execution. I guess I would say you know make make move forward growth out move fast. So that's good stuff. Hey, in closing, I'll of course put these in the show notes. If people want to reach out and check out your products, it's gracesgoodness.com gracesgoodness.com they were kind enough to actually give me my own coupon code i don't think i've ever had a coupon code so i'm pretty excited about this it's thinktyler20 thinktyler20 one word I'm not sure if it's case sensitive but uh, there's a capital t under think and a capital t under tyler so think Tyler 20 with the two T's capitalized. You can get a 20% discount. And uh, if the audience wanted to reach out to you, Sarah, uh, other than this location, is there any place you'd send them?
1: Sure. People can email me at sarah at gracesgoodness.com. And I'm happy to um, be in touch and field questions and network as, as helpful. So thank you.
2: Cool. I, one of my other guests was in the wellness space, snack space. She distributes uh, snack-related products. So I may do an intro to you too also, just so you have a chance to maybe there's some some collaboration there at some point. So cool. Yeah. I love, love having you on the show. I'm excited about what you do. I'm definitely going to try your products out. So thanks for sharing your
0: knowledge today.
1: Thanks for having me, Tyler. Take care.
0: You too. Take care.
2: Great. Catch up. fabulous souls i'm stephanie Baklaan, and
1: i'm eden albert
2: and we're the hosts of the brand new podcast unapologetically fab
1: get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it
2: we're all about changing the narrative leaning into who you are and living a life by your own design
1: join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success
2: this is unapologetically fab
1: an electric cast production
2: see you there
0: Electric acid.
1: Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation, don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.
0: Electric ass.